This is the Beyond Mission podcast with Ben Greenbaum and Mark Elsesser. This year we're exploring the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament, what we're calling a chronogeobiological flow. That is, we're following the chronology of the book of Acts, and then when it's appropriate, we're jumping in to look at other people or places or topics that are addressed in the book of Acts. And today we're doing that as we've been studying the book of Acts with Peter and John's activity. So today we're going to look at something that John wrote many, many, many years later in his letter of 1 John. And I have a special guest with me today. He's one of my best friends on the planet. His name's Jim Ballinger. Hello, Jim. Good morning, Mark. Welcome. I'm glad that you're here. And uh, he's he's the pastor of Harris Chapel Church of the Nazarene in Selma, Indiana. Selma is where I made my home for the 18-plus years prior to moving to Fishers. So, Jim, I don't know if we became friends, like, immediately. It seems like pretty soon in my tenure there. Do you, do you remember, like, we, how we first connected? I can't remember how we first met. It may have been a—I think we did a couple of Good Friday services, so maybe that sparked the initial— contact. It might be. Somehow we found out that each other liked to uh, run, mm-hmm. and so we became running partners. And uh, Jim, I, I don't remember how tall you are, six foot. Uh, five and a half. Six, I call it six, six. And um, I'm five ten if I'm on my tippy toes. And he's got he's got legs up to his chin, and I have legs up to my knees. And so when we ran together, it was like a um, you know, like on the sandpiper on the beach next to an ostrich is what it always <laughs> is what it always felt like. But man, we we ran a lot of miles together. We did a couple yeah. mini marathons and and good conversation. You know, that's the thing that was so enriching to me. But it was uh, one time we did the uh, monumental down here in Indianapolis, and I remember as we left, we were going across the street to the parking garage. Our cars were located on the second floor. And I thought, well, let's just take the steps. And I yeah, remember both you smart. and I just were very cramped right there. So. <laughs> that was this. But it was a good time. Good time. I'm glad you didn't park on the seventh floor. That's <laughs> yeah. all I can, I can tell you at that moment. And then, you know, in the in the wintertime, we did we played a lot of racquetball at the YMCA. And, and man, that was, that was some good times, wasn't it? Very good. And you taught me a lot. And I still do not have a racquetball partner since you moved away. Yeah, that, you know, that's been one of my greatest losses in the last two and a half years is seeing you well, I felt like, I mean, sometimes two or three times a week when we would either run or play racquetball or get together. Um, and then I know that we've been able to, to share life with each other. And you've been a, you've been a wise counselor to me, a prayer partner to me. And I think I have to you as well. So right, right. that's a, that's a pretty great thing. The, and the reason I've invited Jim for this one is because Jim has a deep love for people. Maybe unlike anybody I've ever known in my life, he really loves people. He's not only the pastor of church, but he does a bunch of other stuff too, only because of his love for people. And I know that at times, maybe you're still doing these things, I don't know, but you've been the chaplain for the volunteer fire department in the area, and you're kind of a mentor to the varsity boys basketball team and and are with them on game days as well as other times. You set up a prayer table at the YMCA for people to stop by, and your and your new gig is you're the township trustee, and and all kinds of things. Like, what motivates you to? Because I know you're busy as a pastor, but what motivates you to do these other things that are so community oriented that you give up your time in in order to invest yourself on a volunteer basis for all these things? 
to be there with people? Several, <clears throat> excuse me, several, I think, things come to mind. One is just, like you've said, my love for people. Uh, the fact that I was raised in that setting. I grew up, both parents were involved in public education. So I was around people growing up my whole uh, childhood and early adult life. But I, I think another big connection is when you understand, and I know you deal with this in your Bible study, the connection uh, with people to the creator of the universe, hmm. to, to truly understand a Jesus connection. I've noticed over the years that ministry has shifted in a very major way from come and see to go and be. And we see in the Bible where it talks about being salt and light. And I think that's where anytime we can go and be that presence, and you have listed those things, and I thoroughly enjoy them. I've been with the fire department since 2001, been with the basketball team since, uh, oh, probably the last 12, 13 years. Also mm -hmm. pray with the cheerleaders, and people are just so open to those connections. And, and you probably know now how many times when you talk with people, you ask them how they're doing. Sometimes people, oh, I'm fine, but more and more I hear people just say, well, let me tell you, and they will just open up their life story immediately. I try to do a lot of listening. Yeah, you told me a story recently that there was somebody in the community that you'd connected with in one of these kinds of ways, and you asked her, after getting to know her, if she had a church, and she said, Jim, you're my church. Right. Because, because of your, you're with her. You were in, mm -hmm. in, in community with it, that person, yeah, right? Yeah, it, it blew me away because I had been called on when she was in the hospital with some uh, blood clots in her legs, and she's not as old as I am. Went to visit, prayed with her and such, and lost a little bit of contact, but you see her week to week at the school, and I just asked her out. I just, I said, hey, I just asked, what, where do you, where do you go to church? And yeah. that's what her response was, you are my church. I thought, surprised me. Yeah, that's amazing. And I know that you and you and wife, Janie, um, are very involved in ministry together. You, you work together as a team mm -hmm. at your church and in the community, and that's a, that's a pretty cool thing, isn't it, to be able to to serve him like, like with Lisa that, that we've done so much in ministry together and, and share ministry. It's great to do it in partnership. It is. And in fact, Janie's at the school today subbing, but she's also been a part for over 10 years with our dog, uh, our second dog now therapy dog to take to the school. And they even let her take the dog with her when she subs and the kids just love it. And she would rather sub in the high school, which is where she's at today. Uh, and they just gravitate to that. And it opens up a lot of conversations because there's this cross over of kids who are on the basketball team who are come to the youth group and they just recognize her. So, and it's a great team effort. That's, yeah. that's really, really cool. And I know that there, that you, I firsthand have experienced your connection with people, of course, with my own family as well over the years, as you would stop by our house early in the morning I, when I didn't want to get up in the morning to go running, I knew that Jim was in the driveway, and so I had to. There's something. There's a lesson on accountability there, folks. Uh, when they just show up in somebody's driveway and they have to, they have to do it. And and it, like with my nephew Abraham, that um, that he's part of our family now. He's he, he's our own son now, and you connected with him and and sure. poured into him over those uh, early years, and it just. It's in your nature. So when I thought of First John, mm -hmm. I, I thought of you, and, and I thought, well, this this is uh, like this is how you express your life, and you don't do it for any glory. Uh, you you have never you never would do it because I would list these things off that I did right. today about you. You do it because of who you are, and I'll tell you, as as one of my closest friends on the planet, I'm 
I'm awed by it all the time. And when I grow up, I want to be like Jim. That's my <laughs> that's that's my goal in life. So let's take a look at First John a little bit. Again, that we're we're looking at John. John that John was written first and second and third John were written very late. So we're not looking at the the letters or the epistles in the order in which they were written. We're looking at them thematically. So since we're studying the life of John as well as Peter in the book of Acts, let's take a look at what John wrote about a little bit. And that's what we're going to do today. This is many years, many, many years later. He's now an old man when he's writing these things down. And so he's reflecting back on life. Remember, John John was the guy that in in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when John wrote the Gospel of John, he had a reference for himself as the one whom Jesus loved. And so instead of using his own name, he said, I'm the guy he loved the best. And so the, we know that love was an important word for John. He, he wrote down the most famous passage, probably in the entire Bible, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. So this theme of love is important, one, to John, and here we are decades later when he's writing this letter of 1 John, and we see love popping up all over the place. I'm going to just jump through a few of these scriptures today, and we'll, we'll just process them a little bit, Jim. We'll, we'll just talk about them. And I think the first section, I'm going to call it the call to live in the love of God, because John wants to make it clear that our love is not something we do to earn God's favor. It's something because we have God's favor. It's because we already are loved. In fact, 1 John 3, 1 says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. He, he goes on in 1 John 4, 7 to 9 and says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. I love that. It's a reminder. Love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Let me just stop there for a minute and and this is what comes to my mind, Jim, as I'm thinking about it. How did you come to an awareness of the fact that God loved you? Was it early in your life when you were a little little child, or did, did that develop gradually over time, or did you go to revival meetings, or is this something that your parents handed to you? How did you come to a place when you realized God actually loves me? That's a great question. I was raised in a very loving home. Uh, both parents poured into me and were my cheerleaders all along the journey. Then uh, there were other people along the way. And like I said, being raised in a, in a school setting, there were some teachers, uh, one couple in particular that even took me to a revival at the church they attended, and others who from time to time would pour into me. A neighbor had a, what was called the Good News Club that met weekly and she talked a lot about the love of God, and as you read these scriptures, I, I just, my mind exploded with the remembering when I was a teenager, a good friend of mine invited me back to the youth group that I was a part of growing up in the uh, First United Methodist Church in Rolla. I had been there off and on 
now they had a new youth leader, he and his wife, who were very, I would say, charismatic. Uh, they started talking about this personal relationship with Jesus. Sometimes you read this scripture and you see that and it's like, oh, God is love. And, and we can all agree on that. Uh, for the most part, I think everybody, even people who don't have a personal relationship with Jesus would agree with you. It's just that as you read it so well, it's the idea that God truly lavishes his love on us through Jesus. It's not something that I can manufacture. It's not something that I can even uh, borrow from somebody else. It truly comes from God himself. So when I was a teenager in high school, it was the second Sunday night in May of 1978, I remember our youth leader talking about that we could have that personal connection with Jesus. From then on, it just it just blew my mind that, that he really loved me that much. I saw my parents love, grandparents love, friends, but it really was like that was the personal moment where he became real to me. That's pretty cool. So you mentioned Rolla. You grew up in Missouri. Yes. And the Show Me State. Yeah. So he showed you. Is that how <laughs> exactly. that works? That's how it worked. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's, that's how that worked. Uh, I. I think that's a great story that there were people in your life that did it. Nobody left you and said, here's a track, read this right. and figure it out for yourself. Right. Or, or here's a Bible by the, by the bedside stand, read it and figure it out for yourself. But it was people. Right. Uh, everything from your, your church people, to youth leaders, to teachers, to the family, like they were people that continually expressed this to you and made it real. And there's a, that's a huge lesson for us, which is why, I believe that you're doing the things that you're doing with community organizations mm-hmm. in and around Muncie, Indiana, so that you can express how much God loves people, right? And I'm trying to pay back. You know, a lot of times people talk about paying it forward. I'm I'm just paying back what was given to me as a child, as a youth, and, and even uh, pastors along the journey. I've had a lot of pastors that poured into me, and you're one of those people that has reminded me of God's love, not just being a stagnant thing, but an active, a passionate thing, and something we continue to pursue as long as we live. All right, that's really cool. It, it leads me to this, this verse in 1 John chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, where it says, But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. Mm-hmm. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. That it, that's a huge request to live as Jesus did. It's one thing to say, every eye closed, every head bowed. Do you want Jesus in your life? Do you want him to save you so you can go to heaven now to live your life as you want to live it? It's another request to say, because God's love is so pervasive in your life, that if you live in that love, you are you are expected, you're requested to live like Jesus did. That, that's a tall order because Jesus, the perfect son of God in the flesh, is like no other, yet it becomes our barometer for measuring how well we are living out this Christian faith, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, I love that picture that, that God's love for us is also expressed in how we love other people, how we live in this life. In fact, this second section I want to talk about today, if the first one was the call to live in the love of God, the second one is the message to love one another. And it is all over the place in 1 John. 
Let me just run run a few of them here. First John 3.11, For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Chapter 3, verse 23, And this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Chapter 4, verse 11, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Verse 12, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. There you are. Love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another. That's the message that John is is conveying in this little tiny letter that he wrote, this little, little tiny epistle in the New Testament. Why, why do you think that he was hammering that home so much? I mean, th- these people were now living in a, a, t- a place in the world in a time period in which they had experienced persecution, uh, great persecution by the Roman Empire. We, we talked in a recent podcast on First and Second Peter about the persecution under Nero and those things that were going on. This is after that, perhaps, when, when this was written down, but the persecution was still going on. And, and yet we've, we know that there were Christians, even in the midst of this persecution, who were caring for the needy, caring for the broken, caring for um, unwanted babies that were discarded. All kinds of things were taking place. And this call to love one another wasn't just a, a, like an esoteric idea. It was practical. So, so what do you think like, is going on in, in John as now an old man reflecting on his life, writing this down and saying, you know what I said way back then, uh, for God so loved the world? Here's what I'm going to say decades later. God so loved you. Now love one another. What, like, what's, what's going on in John, you think? I think John is looking back, like you said, as an old man now, and he remembers what it was like walking with Jesus and sharing meals with Jesus and watching how Jesus loved other people who, in some cases, truly despised him. And John, and they're still dealing with some of the issues that were going on back in Jesus's time, where the persecution, the uh, uh, others uh, that were coming along with different uh, I guess you, I, I hate to say different religions, but just different philosophies and teachings, mm-hmm. trying to dilute, trying to destroy, uh, trying to distract them from from the true path of Jesus. And it's like John is looking back through the lens of time, saying, "Hey, like you just said, what I said back then is still true today." And as you read those passages, I kept hearing in my mind, it's this fact that as God loves us. And sometimes people will tell me, so I can't really love that person because of what they said to me, what they did to me. Well, you're right. We cannot love that person. Yet, if you look at that one, it just says love comes from God. So the love I have for anybody else, again, is not generated in me. It's something that God puts in my life to begin with. So I'm basically just using a resource that he's given me to use instead of me, because I, yeah, on my own, I can't love that person. But since this love comes from God, and like you read, he commands us, <laughs> and it and and you said it, and it is the message that he had from the beginning: we're to love each other as he has loved us. And wow. that even goes back to the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Yeah, it's that's such a, a good way of putting it. I I think also you know that an extension of what you're saying is that he has to remind us because we forget. Mm-hmm. It's we we become about ourselves, which is perhaps the nature of sin. 
is to say, I matter more than others. I matter more than the world. I matter more than God. And he reminds us because of that. In fact, he goes to some effort here in this, in this short little letter that he wrote to say there's going to be competition right. for your love. So right. that's, that's how I would think about it. Like, what is the competition for God's love that John lifts up? And, and we'll see in 1 John 2, verse 15, that it says, Do not love the world. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, and he lists a couple of things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Yeah, Jim, these these things that he's talking about, this loving the world and the traps, fleshly desires, what we see is what we want, pride, they they're traps and they they're they're all self-focused, not other focused. So if the because his message wasn't love yourself, love yourself, love yourself. His message was love one another, love mm-hmm. one another. And these things seem to be traps that keep us from reaching out into others' lives and loving others in the way that he said we should love them. Let me just list a few more, then we'll talk about them. In chapter 3, verse 10, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Hmm, There you go. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. And then over in chapter 3, verses 16 to 18, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions, uh, check, are you an American? and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. All right, there you have it. So there's a, a number of things, doing what is right, using your resources, the fleshly and desires and so forth, pride and all those things. And these are all sort of potholes. Uh, on the way to the path of loving other people, uh, what is it like for the for the Christian who is trying to to live out this love of God? What's a word of wisdom that comes to you from this that you'd say we need to be aware of, or or even how to overcome it? Well, there's so much truth here. There's a lot of meat here. Uh, it, it's hard just to 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 check one thing. One thing I do think back that you were talking about just right before this point, when it talks about God living in us and his love is made complete in us, I kind of had a word picture if you're if you're putting together a puzzle and whether it has 100 or 500 pieces makes no difference. When you get that one piece in, when it's finished, you're like, that's complete and I get to see the whole thing. I I believe that as we're flowing in God's love, or I should say his love is flowing through us and we're helping others that all of a sudden we have those moments complete, complete, complete. And it's more than checking a box, because a lot of times when you check a box, like, hey, on to the next thing. 
it's that it's that assurance and that uh I hate to use the word feeling because feelings are so flighty. It's it's just a deep settled peace to know that we're truly hmm. right where God wants us to be, doing what God wants us to do. And I think, and these were powerful scriptures you just read because there are all those other things happening around us. There are those activities. There are those uh, all those accomplishments and everything else. And we're and in our world today, it's it's never enough. It's like one more thing, one more place to go, one more thing to buy, one more meal to eat, whatever it is. And, and John just says, wait a minute, remember back when Jesus was originally telling us this? Such a simple lifestyle. And Jesus even talked about it in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, birds of the air, uh, grass of the field, all these things. He gave these word pictures. It's like, just slow down and just embrace what God wants to be. And maybe, and if, it, it's hard to say it because it's like automatically he's talking about doing. What does God want to be in us? And as soon as we understand what he wants to be in us, also like, I just want to do what he does because yeah. he's doing himself in me. So yeah. it's so hard just to kind of check one spot here. Because you really it, can't separate the two, right? Being right. and doing. I mean, you, right. if you are in the love of God, if you are walking with him, your being and your doing right. are. Right. And, 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 and sometimes people look at it like, well, I need to have so much of God in my life before I can start. And it's like, no, no. As soon as you have that taste, you know, back to John chapter seven, verse 37 in there somewhere, like, like when we've come to that and all of a sudden he's this spring inside of us, it's like, I'm automatically going on to do because what he's being in me. So it's, it, it's pretty tough just to put it in a little category. Yeah. I, I have no idea what you are talking about because all I can think about is your puzzle metaphor and the last piece <laughs> of the puzzle, uh, piece number 1000 was the one our dog Pugs had chewed up <laughs> and it was all gnarly and bent and twisted. And you remember Pugs, the, the good oh, old yeah. dog? And we'd, we remember the time we went running together and we came back and Pugs was being loaded into a vehicle. My wife yes. had given him away. That and, was it. The and, last and, I ever saw Pugs. So when we went on our, our three mile run, we I had a dog. When we got back, he was um, looking out the window. I know. He, he <laughs> had that look on his face you can't erase. <laughs> So uh, be, care, be careful who you run with or how far you go because your uh, little doggy might uh, be, <laughs> it, this is a memory that came back to me. I don't, I don't know why. Okay. So it, it's so true that, that this being, I love being and doing, that's really mm-hmm. good. Sure. Like who we are and what we do are not separate categories. Right. Right. And we can't, we can't just put them and say, well, I'm, I'm a Christian because it's who I am, but I'm an American. That's how I behave. Right. Or vice versa. Neither of those work. So, wow, that is precious, powerful stuff. In fact, let me just wrap this up by looking at a couple scriptures here in First John. And um, one of them, you know, it, it says um, that in this world we are like Jesus. That is the being. And the doing. In this world, we are like Jesus. In fact, it says over in chapter 4, verse 15, we love because he first loved us. The being and the doing. I think that is my takeaway mm-hmm. for today, is who we are and how we live are the same. It's the inner person. It's the outer person. It's who we are in the dark. It's who we are in the light. It's, it's, it's being and doing that, that is worth the price of admission right there. Um, that, that pearl of great price that you gave us today. That's really great. And one more thing too, it's that whole thing as you read through these verses, uh, he's talking about complete, he's talking about perfected. 
it's like he wants to make not just a connection with us, but to truly make us whole in, in the way we were, were intended to be back at creation. Wow. You know, uh, as things fell apart, as life was disrupted, we were no longer complete. But you read through these verses, like God has something for us to complete us. And sometimes people will say, well, I, I met this person, we got married, I'm complete. Or we had this child, I'm complete. Well, God has so much more for us uh, in that whole completion, perfect in love. I mean, a lot of, a lot of things to unpack there. Wow, that's really, really powerful stuff. That's good. Uh, thanks for coming today. I mean, you, you have uh, spoken into this in a way which has been enlightening to me and hopefully to the listener as well. So, my friend, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. My pleasure. Yeah, uh, folks, uh, we thank you so much for, for listening today. Next week, we'll return to the narrative in the book of Acts as the apostles continue to launch the Christian movement beginning in Jerusalem. Remember Acts chapter 1-8, beginning in Jerusalem, then it will spread out to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And if you want to stay up to date with the Be On Mission podcast, we encourage you to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to jump in deeper with our theme this year of Be On Mission as a church, you can find our church's website, fishersumc.org, or the app, and click on the Be On Mission link. Until next time, God bless you.